You're now listening to Hack and Grow Rich with Shaheen Shayan and his co-host, Bart Baggett, where we discuss hacking your way to success and the unconventional paths to unreasonable success with the people who've been there. And now, the author of Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult, Shaheen Shayan. So, Shaheen, welcome to the show. I appreciate it, brother. My honor to be on. Hopefully, I can bring some energy and excitement, and we can get into some great stuff. For sure, man. I'm looking forward to it. So, real quick, since we don't have much time, tell us a bit about your background and about Herbal Ecstasy, man. That's an incredible story. Yeah. So, without going too much into it, I just wrote a book on it. It's called Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult. It's out on Amazon and anyone who's interested can check that out. I started a company when I was 15, went from basically being homeless, sleeping on the beach to creating a company that, that generated over a billion dollars in revenue. This is pre-internet, pre-Amazon, pre-all those things. And it was basically back in the day in the electronic music scene when the rave scene was big. And as a kid, I managed to get myself a mentor and come up with an alternative to ecstasy. I invented an alternative to ecstasy, Molly MDMA, and it became a global phenomenon. And where I was sleeping on the beach mostly and sleeping in abandoned buildings, kind of no food, I would eat whatever uh, free food I could get. I became a multimillionaire running a company with over 200 employees and offices in 32 countries. And we had our product in over 30,000 doors and it was a wild ride. So from there, I went on to inventing vaporization, digital vaporization, the Vapir. And from there, uh, that company went public. Uh, I sold it, then it went public. And from there, I moved on to uh, Amazon, which is where I live now, uh, teaching people how to create predictable revenue on the Amazon platform. Yeah, that, that's amazing. And at the time, were there competitors? Were there people trying to break into this um, alternative party drug space? No, I created that niche. I invented that niche. When I started it, there was nothing like it. People were uh, taken back because, you know, like the government wanted to ban us, but they had no reference point. They were like, well, let's drugs, arrest him. Like, oh, it's not drugs, it's supplements. Okay, then get the FDA, regulate them. Oh, but supplements aren't regulated. And nobody had ever created a supplement for recreational purposes. It wasn't a thing. So it was, it was a, a, a weird niche that I, that I found myself in. And we were making the stuff for 25 cents a unit, worked great. And we were reselling it for $20. And we could sell it as quickly as we made it. It was a mostly cash business. So a funny story, I'll tell you, I was still in my teens. I showed up in my office, you know, and I had been sleeping in abandoned buildings for a while. I figured out how to get the codes to buildings before they finished them. And I would live in these like luxury buildings before the brokers came in. And then I would sneak in early, sneak out early in the morning before they came. And this was some months ago. And I, I remembered months after when my company was successful, we had broken a billion dollars in revenue. I showed up to my office. I, I wouldn't sleep much in those days when I finally hit success. 
I had a collection of exotic cars. I was a big fan of like Lamborghinis and Ferraris and Italian cars and Porsches. I had all of them. I had the boats and the planes and the cars and all that lifestyle. And I remember I fell asleep drooling on the seat of my Lamborghini thinking like, fuck, man, is this what entrepreneurship is? Because like, really, I hope one day I get more than four hours sleep. And I stumbled into my office. The news broke that we had broken a billion dollars in revenue. And I was having a fucking panic attack thinking to myself, holy shit, like we made a billion dollars. I didn't know how much a billion dollars was. Is it a hundred million, 500 million, a thousand million? How much is a billion? And then I learned a very important lesson that your viewers and listeners should, should, should learn. And that's when the thought occurred to me, fuck, man, we've made a billion bucks. I need an accountant. I think I need an accountant. <laughs> and the, the lesson that I learned was that accountants are not the guys that count the cash in duffel bags that are piled up in your office. Because <laughs> that was the lifestyle that we were living. It was all cash. There was bags filled with cash everywhere. And I remember interviewing accountants and being shocked that they were like, oh, it's cash. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious because it was basically the same as the drug business, just that it was a legal product. It was completely legal. That's right. And how did you go from there? Talk to me about the transition from this company, then I think you got regulated or the FDA banned some ingredients of the product. And then how'd you go yeah. from there to start starting to sell on Amazon? Great question. So yeah, well, what, what happened, how Herbalexy ended? And I tell the story, by the way, guys, I, I really recommend get the, the book that's right up there, Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult. Get it on Amazon, Audible. You can hear the first chapter for free. Check that out on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, anywhere there. And I'll tell you, so herbal ecstasy wound down in those days because what the government was doing was playing a game of cat and mouse with us. I would go on the news and I'd be like, hey, we are introducing a new ingredient. And then they would come on the next day on the news and be like, hey, guess what? We're banning this ingredient. I'd be like, (laughs) fuck, man. And after a while, I just got tired and I decided to, to change course. So I sold it off. I went on to doing the vaporization thing. And from there, I heard about this little guy, this little nerd named Jeff Bezos. And I learned that this guy had started this site and he had opened it up to third-party sellers like you and me to be able to sell anything we wanted to on this platform. And I thought, dude, that's cool. And I came up with a nootropic, a brain supplement um, called uh, Accelerol. And it was based on a conversation I had years ago with Bradley Cooper, who ended up just randomly being in that film Limitless, which I loved. And I invented this pill, Accelerol. I was like, man, I want the real Limitless pill. And by the way, it's still available on Amazon. It does really well. We've got one called Focus Plus, one called Accelerol that we still sell on there. And I thought, man, you know, um, and this was before Bradley Cooper was famous. I had a conversation with him about that. And I thought to myself, let me see if I could put this up on the Amazon platform and see what happens. And back in those days, you didn't have any verifications, nothing. You just 15 minutes, you get an account and you put it up because they wanted people to sell on there. We were the first supplement on there. So I listed it on there. I went to sleep. It was $120. I was like, this is fucking expensive. No one's going to buy this. Woke up the next morning, Antonio, 
we had thousands of orders. I was like, holy shit, that's hundreds of thousands of dollars. What the fuck? I was like, let me look at this. And I started looking at it. And I was like, let me look into this Jeff Bezos character. And the more and more I looked, the more and more I discovered this was not just some nerdy little guy. This was the smartest guy in the room. And he wasn't just building a website. He was building the most disruptive e-commerce site we had ever seen. And he was poised to take over the world. And I thought, man, if I could learn how to do this, this can be bigger than all my other ventures combined. And I started learning and mastering how to sell on Amazon. How do you tell that story? Turns out the way you tell the story on Amazon is different than any other avenue. So I started focusing on that. How do you tell the story? How do you get people to be influenced to buy your product? How do you, as great professor Robert Caldini in his book, Influence and Persuasion teaches, how do you persuade people so when they land on that Amazon listing, they think it's their idea to click buy now and add to cart? How do you show up on that first page? And most importantly, how do you find a niche? How do you find a product? And I teach all this. I have an Amazon course now. Uh, it's normally 200 bucks for anybody listening to Rebound Talks because you guys are fucking badass students of adversity. I love that shit. And I love all your episodes. Let's offer it to all your listeners for free. It's a $200 course. I want to offer it to everybody for free. No credit card, no obligation. You will never hear from us if you don't want to. They could reach out to me directly on email is D-A-R-K. Z-E-S-S at gmail.com or go to fbasellercourse.com. Just mention Rebound Talks, Students of Adversity, and I will give you the one-hour course for free that will teach you everything you need to know about Amazon, which is what I do now. And it's mostly, thank you for that, man. I appreciate it. And it's mostly nowadays, the big companies and the people that are making the big money are the ones that know how to get these algorithms to work for them. So talk to me a bit about the Amazon algorithm and what you've learned all these years, basically studying it and trying to refine your product to meet the likes of this algorithm. I love that. That's true, dude. You know it. It's no more about create a great product and the world will beat its way to your door, right? If you have just a little bit of a better mousetrap, the world's going to find you, Antonio. Fucking bullshit. Doesn't work that way anymore. What works is you have to learn how to hack the algorithm. And that's what we teach. I talk about this on my podcast, Hack and Grow Rich, which I invite you guys to join and subscribe. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. But the fact is that companies like Amazon have changed the landscape. They've commoditized products in a way where if you want to make money, it's better that you chase the low-hanging fruit. And it's an important lesson for entrepreneurs. If you think you're going to make a product that's just so much better than everybody else, and you're going to get out there and people are going to realize it. Yeah, you're going to have to struggle, but people are going to realize that you have the better fill in the blank. You're fucking in for a, a world of pain. Now, what we teach is let's find a niche. Let's find a niche that has vulnerabilities. Let's find a market where the competition is weak. And then let's get inside and let's fucking crush. Let's dominate. Let's take over. And we have the tools. We built them over the last 10, 12 years working on Amazon. And we know we can get in there. And instead of finding a product and seeking a market for it, let's find a demand. 
and just feed that demand. It's so much easier. So, so how would that opportunity look? Let's say for people that don't know, you're searching in Jungle Scout, which is a tool to search uh, for Amazon products to sell. So if you find uh, something that gets searched, I don't know, 10,000 times on Amazon and the sellers have less than 50 reviews, what specs specifically do you consider to determine whether or not something is a winning product? So I don't actually look at very much of that stuff. What we look for is products that have a number of vulnerabilities. Yeah, if their reviews aren't, aren't great, then that's something to look at. But there's all kinds of stuff that you might not notice using just that software. Jungle Scout is fine. We use one called Helium 10 that's great. We have our own that we invite our students to use, which is awesome too. Um, but ultimately, you want to look at a number of factors. So one important factor is where are they weak? Find your enemy's weakness and exploit it. It's from the art of war, Swan Tzu. We look at companies that have products and maybe where they're weak is their pricing vulnerability. Maybe where they're weak is the story that they're telling. Maybe where they're weak is their reviews, their social proof. Maybe it's a medical product and they don't have a medical authority. And if there is an authority, that puts that product ahead of the rest. I talked to a guy today who had a piece of workout equipment. And the reason why he's selling $100,000 a month and the competition is only selling $20,000 a month is because he's made himself an authority in that space. So you have to look at the areas of influence. You can't just look at hard metrics. Metrics are important. Everybody has access to them. And yeah, you can use Jungle Scout and Helium 10 and all that stuff. But I like to go even deeper. I like to read the bad reviews and see what complaints other customers have had. And sometimes there's nothing holding you back from contacting the bad reviewers of mm. your competitors. Remember, the enemies of your enemies may be your friends. And, and how would you go about that? Is that email publicly available on Amazon? Or let's of course say you not. find a, a bad review, like would you search them up <laughs> in LinkedIn or something, Instagram? Well, there's different ways you could do it. That's one way, but we teach different systems for that. So there's hacks. Look, if everybody played by the rules, if everybody did what Amazon wanted you to do, everybody would make a little bit of money and Amazon would make a lot of money. And that's the way the world would just work. Fact is, as you know, there's a lot of sellers out there making a lot of money and then a lot of sellers making just a little bit of money. What separates them? What separates them is some are willing to follow the path of the gray hat, of the black hat. Uh, and these are not just small companies. I'm talking about big companies, Fortune 50s, Fortune 500s. These are companies that are willing to bend the rules to their benefit. Now, I'm not suggesting anybody does anything illegal or immoral or against terms of service, but I'm just saying if you play exactly by the rules, you're going to make a little bit of money. 
But if you know how to bend the rules correctly and minimize the risk, because it really is a risk reward calculation, and you know how to do that utilizing the experience of, of different mentors, like we bring on all kinds of different mentors from our course, some of the top Amazon people in the world, former Amazon employees, you can get things like that. You can get the information of reviewers of your competitors and then reach out to them. Buddy, you bought uh, Antonio's workout equipment and you hated it. Now, I'm making a competing product to Antonio, and I want to know how I can improve it. Can I enlist you and pay you as a brand ambassador? Now you've got the guy that left the worst review in the world for your competitor, leaving you the best review in the world. And when somebody sees that, the impact of that, of that authenticity is huge. That's just one little secret. And we can teach you how to do it if you reach out to us, fbasellercourse.com, shaheenshayan.com, or email me, d-a-r-k-z-e-s-s at gmail.com, and I'll sign you up free for the one-hour course. Just mention Rebound Talks, and I'll show you how to do that. Yeah, and you also, in your previous talks, you mentioned the importance of really knowing how you're going to distribute the product first focusing on the distribution first rather than the product. I, this is a change of mindset that I had to do when I started selling. I focused on the product first and then there wasn't a demand. I had to create it. But then I took it the way you said it, where you see a demand that's already there, not a lot of competition, see how you can differentiate yourself. And that's when I really started winning. Why do we have to make this, this mindset shift? Because the days of disruption marketing are over, as Seth Godin says. Have you ever read any of Seth Godin's books? I have not, but I, I, oh. I do have to. <laughs> Check it out. Seth Godin's one of the greatest uh, marketers, marketers of all time. Yeah. And he wrote a book called The Purple Cow, which is one of my favorite books of his. He wrote one called Lynchpin. And he talks about how in the old days, we just would bang on your door, right? You're watching your game. You're watching, you're in Spain. You're watching the football game. And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, you want some beer? You're like, I'm good. Okay, you want some beer now? You want some beer now? You want some beer now? That's how they marketed <laughs> beer. Yeah. But now it's all about permission marketing. It's and and one step further on Amazon, it's about what we do, persuasion marketing. When you're watching the game or doing what you're doing and you're searching on Amazon for that product, what you want to do is you want to believe it's your idea that, hey, man, you need to buy an SD chip or a hard drive or whatever it is, a game controller. And when you get on that listing, you're like, oh, cool. That's all the stuff I wanted. I decided I wanted this. Let me buy this. And you click buy now and tomorrow it arrives at your house. That has been architected so beautifully, so perfectly. And that's the language you have to learn to speak now. Disruption marketing is dead. When you, when you, I don't even know anybody who watches TV anymore. When you people watch Netflix, people people have cut the cord. So when you bang on the door demanding people's attention, they're not going to trust you. They're not going to believe you. But if you make them believe that it was their decision, you act as a decision architect and you persuade them. The greatest battles are won before the war even starts, before you set foot on the battleground. Art of war. Similarly, all great sales are made. Before you step on that battleground, before that person ever sees your product, that battle is won. They are persuaded. The sale is made before they get to your listing. And if you can remember that, you can thrive 
on the Amazon platform. And again, I encourage your listeners, your viewers, get the one hour course. Let us teach you how to do it the right way. So should we, now that um, you say it's all about persuasion marketing and we don't really create demand anymore, should we focus more on selling products that you could see the value, the face value of them right away, that you don't really have to explain them much? Or could you do like a, a product where you do have to educate the audience a bit more? Yeah, this is a great question. Fact is, it doesn't really matter because we're, we're no longer selling products where the education part matters because we're not educating the consumers anymore. We are just finding a demand in the marketplace and then we're just telling a better story. So much easier, so much less work, Antonio. Why, why rebuild the wheel? I say this often and we can do this in closing because I know you have to go um, and I think I have to go. Um, so, and, and, and by the way, I would love to be on your show again to have a more substantive conversation if you'll have me. So I'd For be sure. honored to be on. It sounds like we have a lot in common and a lot to talk about. So pl please uh, forgive me and book me again if you can. But at the end of the day, what it comes down to is really storytelling. And how you can tell a better story is one of the key characteristics of those who will fail and those who will succeed. And your question, remind me your question again. Is whether we should try and educate or sell products that the customers already see the face value of them. Yeah. So again, I think my answer to that is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because what we're doing is we are finding a demand, and then we're meeting that demand rather than creating products. And I'll, I'll close with this. Innovation is the worst way to make money. Guys like Steve Jobs and Elon Musk, all these guys, these guys don't sleep. And these guys got lucky. There's a handful of those guys who can do that. For the rest of us who want to make money, and the best way to make money is to make it quickly, don't innovate. Stop. I've innovated for years. I innovated the vaporizer. I innovated with herbal ecstasy. I've innovated with, with thousands of products. The way forward to make money, if that's what you're interested in, find a niche, find a vulnerability, feed the market what it's already asking for. So much easier. Couldn't agree more, man. And for sure, let's get you in the books again. You want me to text that, to email Diana? or Would you do that? Yes. Yeah, would you do sure. that, please, bro? I really appreciate it, man. I, I seriously, I, I would love to spend some more time. And I think we, we would have a lot of great stuff to talk about. And also, I'm happy to help you with your product. I'm, I'm an expert in that in that specific niche. And I want to sure. help you get, get it going. So will you, will you email her and get me booked again? Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. I'll try and get you booked in the next coming weeks if you're available. I'll, be, I'll make myself available. I want to do it. All right, let's do it, man. And good luck with whatever you're going to do next. I appreciate your time, brother, and appreciate your knowledge as well. I value you. Thank you. Thank you for the great energy tonight. I, I really needed that. Thank you. Awesome, man. Have a great one. All right, man. Bye. See you.